And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the IDS Men's Basketball Podcast, presented by TIS Bookstore. I'm Ben Portnoy, joined by Murphy Wheeler and Cameron Drummond. Guys, what's going on? I'm tired. I don't know about you. I'm just happy I'm not going to be talking about 17th century Spanish currency on this podcast. You had a, you had a rough Yeah, day Cam, today. would you like to recite your... Now, for context, folks, Cam just came from his Spanish class in which mm-hmm. he gave a uh, presentation on 17th century Spanish uh, currency. Correct. Now, the problem here is that uh, Cam used a visual aid, uh, a picture, <laughs> if yep. you will. Uh, however, said picture was of 16th century Spanish currency, yeah. uh, and his teacher was sure to point that out. So, Cam, just how was your experience this morning? It was great. You know, I was up at five o'clock finishing up the presentation, so I probably got oh, what I deserved. So um, you didn't have it finished before today. You didn't uh, mention I that. I did not attempt to finish it before five o'clock today, so that was probably a mistake. And I probably should have checked to make sure that the right Spanish king was on the real or the uh, peso de la ocho or whatever visual aid I used. Cause I just pulled up a picture of a coin, um, so I'm going to take responsibility for that one. That sounds like the most boring presentation of all time my first anyway. topic choice was food the second was spanish currency it went as expected gross things are going well here with the uh, ids men's basketball team we're all thriving really, really I- iu is thriving iu is thriving speaking of iu let's talk basketball let's guys we've got a uh, we've got a big couple of days coming up we've mm-hmm. got uh obviously tonight we've got uh we've got iu montana state well, by the but... time people hear this iu will have beaten montana state so right. let's just infer that the hoosiers get past the bobcats pretty you never know right there's <laughs> you never know I- okay I- they're gonna beat. They're gonna beat they Montana beat State. Easily. Let's not. Oh, I yeah. won't beat around the bush. Um, IU plays Montana State tonight, but by the time we uh, send this out to you, Indiana should be two and zero, headed into a Wednesday matchup against Marquette, and that's the first premier yes. big time juice filled game of the season. Yes, that is kind of the first uh, ma- major of one of those those five games that we've pointed out. Um, in the non-conference slate that IU really needs to get a W in. Um, guys, let's just talk Marquette for a minute. Um, what what do we think? What do we see out of this highlight? This game, rather, um, Murphy. Let's start with you. Well, I mean, Marquette's a, obviously going to be their best opponent of the year so far, and they're going to be their best opponent for a while. I mean, this is a good team, um, a good Big East team. They they beat UMBC in their first game of the year. Um, they're a pretty deep team. It looks like I've read a couple of articles trying to figure out kind of. I haven't seen them play, obviously, but I've been trying to. Well, figure they started out. their season with a nice win over an NCAA, a team that made the NCAA round of 32 last year, the Very Maryland true. Baltimore County Gold, not Golden, excuse me, just the Retrievers. Retrievers, the Retrievers. Might yeah. as well be the Golden Retrievers, honestly. I do recognize a few of the names on their roster from last year because I do think I watched them a couple times last Dwayne year. Dwayne Wade, not Dwayne Wade, <laughs> no, uh, not Jimmy Butler either. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, yeah, but I, Marcus Howard is a guy that stands out to me as maybe a guy that could be a problem. Um, he's their leading scorer after one game. He scored 15 in their first game of the year. Um, he's a guard. He's 5'11", um, but I do remember him being a, kind of a dangerous player for them. Marquette's going to be good no matter what. Um, and it's going to be interesting just because this is a home game for IU, um, and we'll see how they can handle that in front of the home crowd. And you figure this will be the first – I'm not going to say that we had a capacity crowd for Chicago State or Montana State because it's not. I mean, it's just not the same vibe or Despite feeling. The not at all. Sellout. But I, I think you could get— This is going to be a huge crowd. I think you'll get a capacity huge crowd. I think Marquette's within you know touching distance, so they'll bring some nice people as well. We'll have more than just the two fans behind you know the, the visiting team's bench 
at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. So I think the crowd will be up for that, too. It's an 8.30 tip-off, I believe. Yeah. It's on Fox Sports 1, so it's a national broadcast game. So I think I think energy level will be high. There shouldn't be a problem with the Hoosiers getting up for the game or the, no. the crowd not bringing there you know, the energy. Be. There shouldn't be a problem. There shouldn't be, correct. But we've known in past years that that has been a problem. Well, okay, so put yourself – you've played high school basketball in this state, so a relatively right. competitive level, Murphy. You're very quick to point that out anytime <laughs> I have an interaction with you. So how do you – I mean <laughs> – to start the season, you play two cupcakes. Let's call them what they are, Chicago State, Montana yeah. State, or cupcakes. How do you flip that switch to go from that to Marquette? Not even necessarily a vastly superior team talent-wise, but just flipping the switch from an intensity standpoint and knowing that maybe your talent alone isn't going to be able to get you through to the game to a victory. Well, again, it shouldn't It shouldn't be something you have to get up for. You know what I mean? Like, this is just kind of how it is. This is how you should be as a player. And these guys are college basketball players. They're not high school basketball players anymore. It shouldn't be a problem anymore. Uh, but it does start kind of that week in practice. It really mm-hmm. does. Um, the intensity's got to be higher in practice. Archie Miller knows that. It probably helps be... for IU, too, that Montana State being a Friday night game, Marquette's not till Wednesday night. You have a solid three to four days in between there where you can get video prep work done. Right. And each team will have played two games by then, too. So right. you'll have enough to kind of base your scouting on, I suppose. And after playing two lesser teams, you're kind of – itching at that opportunity to play a good team. You don't want to play these cupcakes anymore. You can maybe almost call it four if you want to go all the way back to Loyola and Southern Indiana as well. I don't know if you would call Loyola yeah. that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, but we'll see still, We'll see what Loyola yes. is later as they get going again. Um, I will say, obviously, this is a – Murphy, I think you mentioned it. This is a really deep Marquette team, and uh, we'll get into a little bit more specifics when we get uh, Ben Steele of the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel will join us later today. Ben Steele um, is a good journalist name. Great, great That's journalist. A very name. good journalist. Well, I was telling I'd you, argue his first name's even better than his last. Okay, uh, Portnoy, okay. let's settle down. I was going to say, it's Steel, but you definitely know it's spelled like S T E E L with an E at the end. Well, in fact, yeah. it is. It's definitely not like the actual well, you know, no. but industrial yeah. product. Yeah. I've never known anyone with the industrial product last name. Yeah, definitely. You never know. But anyway, Ben will be joining us later on the podcast. Uh, now we, we'll get a nice some nice insight on the uh, Marquette Golden Eagles yeah, from you've him. Been ta- you've been talking about for a while, though. Ben currently in the podcast studio. <laughs> I mean, you think they're going to be good this year? In the I really do. I will. I am pretty high on Marquette. Um, I think they're going to be. I think there's a chance they're a top twenty-five team by the time this game comes around next week when the new AP poll comes out on Monday. Um, just looking at, frankly, just looking at their roster. I mean, Marcus Howard is probably the probably the best, if not one of the best, scorers in the country. He averaged twenty-eight point four, twenty point four points a game last year. Um, you've got some other guys. Sam Hauser comes in at fourteen point one, and. Uh, Joe Charfoni, who is a grad transfer from Fordham, he's gonna he's a grad senior. Um, he averaged twelve point two points a game last year. So this is a team that's gonna put up points. Um, you throw in the fact that they've also got Brendan Bailey, who's coming back from his Mormon mission. He was a top fifty recruit when coming out of high school. Wait, uh, he's eligible now. He's coming back from a Mormon mission. He is. So he's coming back from his mission, and he is. Uh, he he was Whoa. a top. He was top fifty recruit coming out of high school. So um, this is a team that's going to be good. I, I, Ed Morrow Jr. is a transfer from Nebraska. Redshirt Jr. He averaged I nine. He was from Nebraska. He averaged nine point four points a game. I mean, this is a team that's. They're going to put up points, and I think, frankly, in in terms of what I've been reading and doing doing, doing some looking at this Marquette team, I think this is definitely going to be uh, Chris Wojcikowski's best team that he's had in his Steve. Did I say Chris? You said Chris. Steve Wojcikowski. <laughs> Wolf. It's, it's Friday, gentlemen. Well, I was about to say, I think uh, you But, yeah, I think this is probably going to be the best team that he's had at Marquette up in Milwaukee in the last I, since he's been there. I think you can't underrate the coaching aspect that Marquette brings in a top-caliber coach as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think— He's I'm, good. I mean, he's good. I mean, it's what, year four? 
four or five. Four or five. Yeah. Year four, year five. Um, yeah. They either. have a really nice run of coaches there at Marquette continuously. They seem to always kind of crank out guys that maybe leave there for a better job, but while they're there, I mean, they've, you know, a consistent threat in the Big well, East. This year, if they don't win this year, Woj is in trouble. I would say. Well, so 2016-17, he guides them to the first round of the NCAA tournament with a 19-13 overall record. They go 21-14 and last season, 9-9 in conference, but finish. they go from finishing third in the Big East to finishing a tied for sixth, and they only make the quarterfinals of the NIT. So you have a bit of regression in his first two years. There were no postseason. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's won 20 games at least in two of his four years uh, at the helm. 19-13 uh, that one other year, and 13-19 his first year. Yeah. But, um, no, I think th- I think this is going to be Woj's best team this year uh, that he's had definitely in, in his uh, heading into his fifth year. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, we'll get to a little bit more on Marquette later, but let's talk uh, – We've got a little fun segment coming at you guys. Fun in parentheses. Right. We'll, we'll see how I, fun I, it is. I think, I think it's going to be fun. I'm having fun with it. I know Cam had some fun with it. I had it. a ton of fun with uh, it. I think Murphy's indifferent on the subject. Um, <laughs> however, uh, we, we asked you some folks on Twitter for some questions. And Facebook. Don't forget and Facebook. Facebook. All over, all over the uh, social interwebs. Mm-hmm. Social network. Um, social film. network. Great, great film. Great. Big, film. I'm big high fan of that. quality film. High quality film. Jesse Eisenberg. David Fincher, the director. Bloomington's own Jesse Eisenberg, right? Jesse no, Eisenberg. He's not, from mm, not not from Bloomington. He's just does, a big does, does, basketball hang, fan. I mean, he hang, hangs out here. Tom. He does. He does. He's a big Terry Moore fan. I think I believe it's he, he helps out with the halfway house here. There's something really? like that. Yeah. There's there. I I forget the exact story, but there's something. Uh, Something to that. I think he helps out with the the halfway house here. For he spent some time living in town too, like yeah, maybe six months consecutively. Yeah, definitely. And I think he do, really? I think he comes here off and on still. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we internet. used his platform to help us crowdsource some questions from you Hoosier fans out there because we wanted yes. to know what do you guys want to know? What do you want us to talk about for this team this season? Yeah. Or at least especially at the start of it, while there's not too much game stuff to discuss. Yeah, we're definitely still at the beginning of the season. We're still in the uh, preview. Uh, preview mode a little bit because uh, let's be honest, playing Chicago State and Montana State doesn't give you too much. Nope. So uh, that not. said, let's start with our uh, let's start with our first question here, guys. And and I think this is a good one. I think we've uh, we've actually talked about this a little bit, but I think this is a good one to dive into. Um, this comes from Austin and says, "Who do you see being more consistent at the point guard position, Devonte Green or Rob Finnessy?" Now. Murphy, you've got a uh, yeah. got an opinion on this one, Mr. Columnist. Uh, obviously, you wrote your column last, the other day. Actually, dropped yesterday about Devontae right. Green needing. Wrote it about two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> wrote, right, right. Minor minor details, but you know you can we, find the column at idsnews.com/sports. Hashtag plug. Um, let's talk this. Talk yeah. about this. Devontae Green, Rob Finnessy, Murphy. What you got? Right. No, I have a pretty strong opinion on this. Just well, because. N- before you go, I'm saying I'm going to clarify something with you. Notice the question isn't who's better; who's it's who's more, more consistent. consistent. Right. So you could spin that whatever way you want to spin that. Right. And here's the thing: we all know Devontae Green has not been very consistent in his first two years here at IU. He's been consistently inconsistent. He's been consistently inconsistent. It drives me insane to watch. Actually, um, you know. That's just kind of how he is, and hopefully he changes that because if he doesn't, his spot's going to be gone. Like that's it's it's going to be taken away from him because I think Fantasy can be a consistent player. Now, yeah, I don't know if he's going to go out and score fifteen points every night. He might do that every once in a while, but he's going to be a consistent 
quality ball handler. He's going to be able to run the offense consistently. He's going to be playing good defense consistently. But he does offer different things than Devontae Green, whereas Devontae Green's more of the scorer. Rob Finney is right. more of the passer. Right. At least as a primary. But they don't offer. always need that score. They're not going to need that all the time. They will at times. If someone's struggling, if Romeo's struggling, if Jawan's struggling, if either of those guys are struggling, they might need Devontae to come in and hit some shots. Do you think that was more of a need last season than this season in terms of having a scorer on the floor kind of constantly? Yes, that was more of a need last season just because of the addition of Romeo, I think. Um, and if you know if he can't get them the ball quite like Robert Fennessey can, I don't see why he should be playing over Fennessey. I don't see it. Um, and I honestly don't think he's going to get any more consistent this year. That's my personal – that's my prediction at least. I think he can. I think he has the talent to be a very good point guard in the Big Ten. Um, but I just don't see those consistency problems fixing themselves anytime soon. Cam? I don't see a reason why Devontae Green should have to – be like the deferred option for the starting spot. Mm-hmm. Like I think it should be an open competition. Like at like if this is oh like, it is if this is the NFL. Like the quarterback who was starting <laughs> last year was bad to the point where in training camp it's an open competition for everyone to take his job. I right? uh, mean a Michael Penix, Peyton Ramsey situation next <laughs> fall. Sorry, I won't get into that. But. We we keep football out of this podcast. This is our safe space, Ben, <laughs> where we don't talk about IU football. You're right. <laughs> Continue. So from that point, like I don't think Devontae Green has necessarily like earned the benefit of the doubt, if that makes sense. And so right. I think if Rob Fantasy comes in, plays solid, you know, you want to evaluate it over the first four or five non-conference games, you want to throw in, <laughs> like, some of the easier games, make him test himself, make him prove himself against a Marquette, against an Arkansas. Really, I just kind of use Duke as, like, the point differentiating the start of the season from the rest of the season. I think if Fantasy does well, give him the keys to the car. Right. And, like, if it doesn't work out, you can always just kind of – pull back and say, all right, sit down for a bit and put Green back in there. And maybe you think sitting Green on the bench to start the season is either a wake-up call for him or will help inspire some maturity from him or something to that nature. But I just don't think you have to give Green the spot because he had it last year. And I think especially the way Finnessy has kind of captured everyone's imagination to start this year, he's you know almost earned the right to say, okay, you've shown me enough, go. Well, here's the thing, though. You saw those inconsistencies in Green's game in the first game of the year. He came off against the bench. Chicago State. Came off the bench against Chicago State. Scored 15 points. Do you but, look at the box score? That looks good. 15 points. You think, oh, Devontae plays well. Look good. It, yeah, four turnovers. Was it four? I thought it might have been just three. I think it was maybe four. it was worse than I thought. But and these weren't good. I mean, these weren't just you know random turnovers. You were that reacting happened. next to me during the game. Yeah, because it's the same stuff over and over. It's just bad turnovers every time. And it's careless turnovers, and it's turnovers that can be avoided, and that's what that's that's my problem with Green at times. Benjamin, I'm gonna say ditto to Cam's point. Um, no, I think I, I really think that this is gonna be Rob Fennessey's. Jo- I, I think it's safe to assume, and I I, I really feel pretty pretty strongly that this is gonna be Rob Fennessey's starting point guard job by the <laughs> hell it could be his starting point guard job by ten games into the season, right. if, if not sooner. I mean, I think. He's clearly flashed the talent. I mean, <laughs> Archie Miller has raved about him, and so have other other players uh, throughout the offseason. That this this is a kid who wasn't necessarily they maybe wasn't expected necessarily to be this ready to play in college, and has come out, put on 15 pounds in the offseason, and, and has really looked the part of a Division One uh, starting point guard. Um, and even when he honestly, even when he committed, I felt like Rob Finnessy was the kind of guy that could make an immediate impact, even if it wasn't. Even if it wasn't necessarily expected, I think that he really is. He's kind of a quintessential point guard. He's not. He's not necessarily a scorer, though he can score, and he definitely did at the high school level. Um, 
he's a capable scorer. He's a really, really smart. Don't clean you just feel passer. safer with him? I, I yes. think so. I think because I think I, I think that Devontae Green gives you a little bit of the uh, chaos offense that we got came, became so accustomed to during the okay, Green I'm gonna, era. I'm gonna Hold on, a, here we out. No, I'm gonna make a car comparison real quick. Devontae Green's like a Lamborghini, and maybe that's a bit too strong, but he's like a Lamborghini. Devontae Green's like a Mustang. <laughs> a Mustang. Okay, fine. And then Rob Finnessy is like the Toyota Corolla, like nice and safe. Gonna get you there. Good for a family. You know, you just need to keep everyone safe, and that's what this IU team needs now. Devonte Green can go a million miles an hour, but like he may also like wipe out and crash. You I know? Actually, I actually like that comparison. That, uh, no, I think that's true. I think that's fair. I th- too much. Yeah, I, but no, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I, I think that's fair comparison. I think that frankly, Devonte Green is not consistent enough to hold down that point guard spot, and I, I and I think he is a good player. I think he's gonna get minutes just simply on the fact that, like you said, he had 15 points off the bench the other night. But um, and there's a place for that too. Definitely, and they need that. I mean, and they need bench scoring and they're going to get it just based on the fact of how many guys are going to play but um no i i I think that this is a i almost don't i I almost don't see it as a problem in the way that it could become one because you know obviously you know in football whatever you have a quarterback competition it's turns into a whole thing when you have two quarterbacks who can play no quarterbacks right when you have two you have none um at point guard, I mean, I think Devontae Green's perfectly capable of stretching out playing the two. Obviously, Romeo Langford's going to get the lion's share of minutes there, but I, I, I think that he's capable of playing the two. I think he can provide a really nice spark off the bench, and I think he can play point guard too. It's just I think that Finnessy is the more consistent option uh, to address the question directly. Anyway, all right, that'll uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS. We'll see you on the other side. TIS College Bookstore has been outfitting generations of IU fans for over 56 years, and we have the largest selection of IU apparel and gifts in Bloomington. Start your holiday shopping with 25% off one regular priced apparel or gift item at iugear.com when you use promo code IUBB. If you're in town for the game, stop by TIS and show us your athletic ticket stub, and we'll give you 25% off one IU sportswear item. TIS College Bookstore, representing everything IU. And we're back here on the Indiana Daily Student Men's Basketball Podcast presented by TIS Bookstore. I'm Ben Portnoy, and alongside me, Cameron Drummond and Murphy Wheeler. Uh, let's go to this one. What, this one's from Facebook, too, uh, from, from Bruce. Uh, what will this team look like this year without Juwan, having, Juwan Morgan uh, having to, quote, carry it on his back to the end? Or will he still be doing that? Or what will end, the, what will end game things look like? Uh, Murphy, you want to take this one first? Right, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to have to do that anymore. Um, I think that's going to help them a lot. I think it's going to help his game a lot. Um, I think it's going to free him up at times. I think a lot – I think the thing is I think defenses a lot of times are going to focus on him, and that's going to give Romeo more opportunities. And then once Romeo starts scoring a lot, people are going to focus on him, and it's going to give Juwan more opportunities. You know what I mean? Now, good defensive teams can guard both of them, um, but – they're going to be able to attack defenses better with both of those two big-time scoring options. Plus, they just have more scoring options in general than last year. Um, no offense to guys like Robert Johnson or you know Josh Newkirk or Freddie McSwain, but they just weren't quite the same options that they have now. Um, and that led to more pressure on Morgan to be the one to have to execute right. in the late-game situations. And it's funny, I wrote I wrote a column about Juwan Morgan after last game. Goodness. Um, you it, did your job. Congrats, exa- man. Exactly. You want a cookie? Um, and Content it, it, never stops. I talked about how, you know, even though he's not, against Chicago State, 
games like that where he doesn't score as much as he usually did last year, where he scores nine points, gets eight rebounds. Also, didn't like play that. the last like eight minutes of the right. game. Right, he mm-hmm. just has a very solid game throughout. He may not be as noticeable as he was as last year, but he's still just as valuable. He does so many little things that are just that go unnoticed. Um, and that's why and that's he's pro- really important. And that's probably going to be more the case this year when you oh, have yeah. your other scoring options where you're not going to see everything that he did reflected in the box score as much because you're not going to be feeding him the ball in the post every single time down the court looking for looking for a score. And that's almost kind of what doomed IU. If you think about their close Big Ten losses last year, I think Michigan State at home, I think Purdue at home, I think Illinois on the road. I mean, just because they were so kind of one-dimensional in the, I mean, even Ohio State in that, I think, double overtime game to end the season, they were so one-dimensional in the way, in terms of late-game situations, what they were trying to do. And now this year you have that, you have almost have the luxury of, Juwan, yeah, he's still an option, but also you have these two or three other guys who maybe you're turning to before he, before him, excuse me. Right. And it's just, it's just kind of crazy when you watch games like Chicago State, where on offense, even though you don't notice it, Juwan has a hand in almost everything they do offensively. Well, even it's if he amazing. doesn't have the ball directly, it's his movement, exactly. it's the way he pulls it's defenders amazing. in, the attraction that they have, the respect they have to give him, basically. Yeah, and it's just amazing how well he is doing that, and he's a very smart player. He knows what he knows what he's doing out there. Real quick, is he is he an NBA guy? Mm-hmm. I think he gets a second round. I think he'll get picked in the second round. I think he should. I think he maybe not. I think people may look at him and say he's maybe not athletic enough and things yeah. like that, but I think he does so many of the little things well. And I know there's so and many there's so many guys in the country that do that, but he'll really be, he'll be like one of those four year guys who gets taken in the middle of the second round. Yeah, exactly. I think all around he's a really solid player. I think that he ends up getting picked somewhere in the middle to the back end of the second round, just based on the fact that he can score, he can rebound, he can play defense, and he's got a pretty decent jump shot. Right. Um, I'm going to agree with what you guys said. I'm not going to dance around on this one too. Too long. I think Juwan Morgan. We all kind of know what, what what his importance to the team is, but I don't think that he will have to carry as much weight as he did last year, just simply based on the fact uh, of what what this team's got, especially in their younger guys. All right, let's do one more. We'll take a quick break and come back with Ben. Uh, all right, this one. I'm, I I kind of like this one. It's a, it's a little bit general, a little bit forward looking, mm-hmm. but uh, questions from a number of people. Everyone, pretty much. I everyone. believe the label is everyone. The label asked is this everyone. Question. Got this one a few few times. Multiple but, people. Uh, a couple quote quote is uh, a couple people already talking about freshmen leaving. Who stays? Who goes? And who would be the most important to retain for multiple years? I'm so just, you, you want to focus on the five freshmen for this one then? Let's talk. Yeah. We let's start with the five freshmen, but then you can throw in guys like Justin Smith, Smith. Um because yeah. I think really really he's the only other guy that maybe makes makes a jump. Um, Cam, you want to take this one first? Yeah. Uh, so Romeo's gone. Yes, that, I, that we're, was we all in agreement on that. We knew that when he put on the IU hat. But I also think he's the least important to keep for multiple years. Agreed. If that makes sense, I think Rob Finnessy is the most important to keep for. Yep. If you have an ideal guy, like okay, this guy is going to stay three or four years, and you get to cherry pick one of those freshmen. I think Rob Finnessy is the guy because he's the type of player who, by year three or year four, he's going to be like he's going to be like Perry Ellis at Kansas. People around the country are going to be like, oh, Rob Finnessy, he's still at Indiana. He's the next Robert or Aaron. You Kraft. would hope. <laughs> Aaron Kraft, who literally, I think, played at Ohio State for like six years. Right, like he's still there. And that would be a good thing because that means that Robert Finnessy's development would have gone well. And if, especially if you're a passing first point guard, I think that spending two or three years in the college game is going to help you a lot more than if just you're a pure scorer. Because like sometimes you just can't – it's almost like speed or height. Like you just can't teach that knack or that little ability to score. But playing repetitively in a conference like the Big Ten for so long, you can – 
develop yourself so much better as an overall point guard. And I think Rob Finzi is a bit of a – I mean, he's more of a true point guard, obviously. Yeah. So I think keeping him for three or four years is going to be a little bit more important. Um, when you get into the other guys – I don't know how important or how big a role Demezzi Anderson's really going to play. If he, I think he could stay like all four years, but I don't think he would ever actually crack the starting lineup. Maybe down the road. We'll see. I mean, Maybe he's, he's, like a, he's, senior, a, great, he's a great shooter and he's athletic. Specialist. I mean, he's a big scorer and out of high school. I, mean, out of I South think he's Bend just kind Riley. of like a depth guy. I and mean, we talked about him as like a 3 and D type player. I mean, you, you would definitely value that for multiple years. Uh, who else am I th- have we touched on yet? Jerome Hunter. Jake Ford. Jerome, Jerome Hunter. Hunter will be a very good player. Jerome Hunter's a great player. He's obviously Still been hurt. He's been season. limited. Jerome Hunter could get minutes this year. Jerome Hunter's gonna get minutes this year, I right. think. If frankly, Messi Anderson's getting minutes this year. Then Jerome Hunter will get minutes. I this don't year. think. I don't think once Jerome Hunter and all and Al Durham really? come back, I don't think Demezzi Anderson's getting that many minutes. I think he might get some as a shooter off the that's bench, but that's it. It, but yeah. that's about it. I think that's that about um, five like a hot and cold type deal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you saw it. He shot the ball pretty well against uh, Chicago State and didn't didn't a couple scrimmages too. Yeah. Um, I think. When you look at this freshman class, I mean, obviously, I think Romeo, Romeo Langford, we can all agree, is uh, the the <laughs> crown jewel, and I think that's not that's just stating the obvious. But um, if he stays for a second year, I'll eat my hat. I, there's no way he's staying for two years. I mean, if he, if he has the season that it looks like he's going to have, and you know, obviously, it's one game in, I'm not going to. You know, when you're in the top way. five of mock draft boards, like come on, you're not. Yeah, you're yeah, insane. yeah. And I think that was a given when he signed with IU. But I, but I think kid. that when you look at the other freshmen, I think that really you have a collection of guys that really are going to stay two, three, four years. Yeah. Um, I think I think this is the kind of this is the kind of recruiting class that you. I mean, not to buy into like you know four star versus three star versus five star all that, but like really, I think the guys that Archie Miller recruited are guys that are there to build a foundation for his program right um you know and there are coaches that have adapted to it i mean i think mike shashevsky at duke's obviously the preeminent example of guys who've been able to take the uh one and done model and also be able to build rosters around that in terms of building depth um you look at the guys that he has and i think people forget that seth curry was a one and done player was he? Seth no, he played. Curry? No, Seth played. Play, Seth played at Liberty before he, he transferred. Liberty before, before, before he transferred to Duke. Um, now you're good. No Former worries. Dallas Maverick Seth Curry. Big big Mavs guy. Cam I, just want, I just wanted to throw that in there. I just wanted to get a Mavs reference. Yeah, it didn't Kirk work. Swing and a miss. Sorry. Anyway, yeah. point being, um, I, I think these are these these are guys that will be here for a couple of years. They're guys that can build the program. I think. I think Justin Smith's really the only guy on this roster that who's has... Who's not a freshman. Who who's not a freshman or even yeah. freshman included. I think Justin Smith, outside of Romeo Langford, is the only guy on this roster who realistically could have NBA looks next year. And I think I think we talked about this maybe last week. Um, that I, I think that if... I think Murphy, you and I were going back and forth about this, but I think that um, if, you, if there was a single guy on this roster who could jump up draft boards or come out of nowhere and have a big season and, you know, throw his name in the, in the draft... Uh, Draft waters. It's it's Justin Smith. I mean, he's got. I I, I think he's going to be an NBA player at some point. Whether I think it's, even whether if, whether it's after this year or next year. I think next year's more realistic. Even if he doesn't play to like the level where you'd think, wow, he's an NBA player. I think he can almost be like not to bring in IU football again, but you bring in a guy like Ian Thomas, where literally just his size and just his Absolutely. metrics and just how high he can jump gets the attention of scouts and gets Definitely. guys like salivating over his NBA potential. Definitely. I mean, he's. Big. He's six foot. What? Six foot seven. Six foot eight. Um, six seven. Six eight. Yeah. Six seven. Six eight. I mean, he's a big guy. He's thick. I mean, he says he's as like he's really as strong and athletic a guy as IU has. Um, I mean, he's built like a he's built like an NFL tight end. I mean, yeah. he's enormous and you know that kind of build. But um, I I think that too. Like he's got he's got he's able to do it all. He can shoot the ball from outside. He can get in the post. He can put together those highlight dunks that we've. We got grew accustomed to uh, last last season. I mean, I think Justin Smith is the one other guy that that really uh, 
there's a chance that he could leave. Um, but yeah, that uh, Murphy, you got any last thoughts on that one? No, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything you guys say. I think. Oh, I that's think so could, nice of you, man. Really, that's I think the he could go professional this year um, if the thing, if the cards, you know, fall right. But I think it is more realistic next year. Yeah, I think next year is more realistic just based on minutes and how all that shakes out. But how will Archie middle? This one's from Matt. Shout out Matt for the uh, the question. Uh, how will Archie incorporate how he uses Evan Fitzner and Deron Davis into the game flow? Cam, I think you've got you are our uh, I'm the resident as Evan, Evan Fitzner expert. expert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congrats. Diagnose this one for me. When what I, do you got? When Evan Fitzner goes off for fifty in like the national championship game, CNN's going to bring me on for like a two minute hit from okay. wherever the championship right. game is. You and Galen Clavio get your CNN <laughs> hits. Has anyone, uh, you guys seen that? Yeah, it's yeah. A great, it's a I'm, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that clip, and I'm going to be showing it to kids in my sports journalism classes like 25 years from now when we're all like doing VR reality. In your stuff. sports journalism classes when you <laughs> when you get result back to teaching because <laughs> sports journalism jobs lol anyway yeah. continue sorry when that went, was bleak when i want some safe payment options no so <laughs> i think the good thing about that question is you don't necessarily have to work them both into the rotation in distinctly different ways because they bring different things to the table evan fitzner tall lanky guy but has good ball handling skills he can protect the rim and play around the rim at times but his bread and butter is going to be jump shots it's going to be the three-point shot he is i use bona fide three-point shooting specialist Deron Davis is the complete opposite of that, right? Like, the guy can't hit a free throw to save his life. Um, Definitely not hitting any threes to save his life either, but he is the more physical, more brutal presence in the post that I was going to need to bang up against guys. The question that becomes of that, though, is whether he's still going to be able to do that when he's fully recovered from his injury at the level that he could prior to the torn Achilles. So I think, obviously, you probably in an ideal world aren't playing them at the same time, but it's not like they necessarily play the exact same position in the exact same way. One guy plays further from the basket, one guy plays closer to the basket, one guy can handle the ball a lot better, both of those guys being Fitzner, but there is still a place for Deron Davis as kind of the bulldog of the team when you need to, you know, kind of ugly up the game a little bit and just fight and scrap for rebounds, which Fitzner can do as well, just not to the extent that Davis can. Well, I think Davis won't be at the level that he once was. And, again, I've said this before on this podcast where I think Davis's role on this team is going to diminish a lot. And he may still be at that level that he was before athletically. It's just he may not get a chance to show that and right. because of the way the team breaks down. There's not really he a space for him. He's not a good fit anymore. He really isn't. This is a team that is – Based know, on the pieces they've assembled while he's been out, basically. It, they play faster. They play a smaller lineup. And he's just not – you know, he's not the piece that goes into that. But he is going to be kind of a specialist guy for teams that do have those big bruisers down low um, that he can bang around with. And I think that is where his, you know, his value lies at this point. Um, he's more of just a specialist guy. Um, Fitzner, very good shooter. We already know that. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He could be the team's sixth man by the end of the year. Um, you know, he's going to get his minutes. And the thing is, he's a little bit better inside than I thought he was. Fitzner? Yes. He's a little bit better. He's a really good cutter. He gets open really well. He just finds ways to get open down low. Um, He's literally just tall enough to where every rebound is almost in his grasp. Too. Right. So, I mean, they are both they both have their value, but Fitzner's going to play a lot more, and I think Davis's role is going to be very much diminished by the end of the year. But I don't think that comes from sacrificing Davis's minutes to give it to Fitzner. No. I just think Fitzner's a better fit, and it's right. just going to play Absolutely. naturally in the team more. Yeah, yes. it's not necessarily a direct correlation, but I agree with what you guys were saying. But I, I think that um, – I think kind of like what you, what you were saying, Murphy. I think that that was the one thing that really stuck out to me about Evan Fitzner. I think he had what fourteen points off the fourteen points off the bench mm-hmm. the other night against Chicago yeah. State. Um, 
his post game was a lot more polished than than I kind of expected. And honestly, okay, Archie Miller was talking about this earlier in the season that he's got an underrated post game. I, I didn't believe it. I, I kind of <laughs> wanted to call BS on it. I was like, all right, come on, this guy's coming in because he can shoot threes. Like, let's not kid ourselves. He's not coming in to play center. He's coming here to play like you know stretch five. Well, basically. talking with him, he thinks he can do everything, and I guess he kind of. I mean, it's, it's Chicago State we've seen so far, but he displayed it okay. And no, and I get that. I mean, definitely, you know, you want players to have that confidence, but I, it was kind of one of those things. I was like, all right, let's not kid ourselves. But I, I was impressed. And yes, it's Chicago State. I'm not gonna say it was you know Kansas, Duke, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but I think that there was some nice he had some nice moves he was, his footwork was good he made he had that he had one nice jump hook um, uh, from the baseline that was a really nice play has a really smooth shooting stroke yeah and I think part of, and I and I think that plays to his advantage I mean the fact that he's such a great shooter is he has a little bit of that touch he has that feel even if he's not necessarily around the basket um, as uh, even if he plays more you know towards the three point line than he does towards the basket um, and I think that's an interesting an interesting thing that Marshy Miller's going to be able to move around and mess with and. Um, move through his rotation, but to, to get to Deron Davis, I, I, I think that you guys kind of hit the nail on the head and that he, it's no fault of Deron Davis's that he doesn't necessarily fit into this rotation. It's more just how the roster's constructed. I think, Cam, you were saying this. Yeah. It, it just, he is a old school big man in a league and in a game, game really, yeah. That's transforming. That, that is designed for six foot seven six foot eight three and three and d guys who can run up and down the floor athletic bigs that kind of stuff it's not that he's not athletic he's just you know a very true back to the rip yep. back to the basket big man and i think that will benefit iu i think there are, t- there are teams that they are going to play this year that that they yep. need that and he's as experienced as any center in the big 10 outside of maybe ethan happ who's back in wisconsin for his like 25th year <laughs> um and so I think there, I think there's going to be some legit, uh, a legit argument to use him in in use him for bigger minutes, um, depending on the matchup. And I think that's kind of where you're going to see it. But in terms of the, in terms of the rotation, I see, I, I think kind of like what you guys were saying. I think Fitzner ends up seeing a lot more minutes than Deron Davis simply because of how he fits into the system. Here's the thing too that maybe is kind of under the radar, but I think is going to be something that becomes important as the season goes on. Free throw shooting. Uh, he was bad at it last year. They were bad at it against Chicago State. The one guy who didn't have any kind of yips or anything at the line was Evan Fitzner. Oh, he's not going to either. And when you think about the way that Archie Miller wants to play, I asked him after the game against Chicago State. He says that IU's ambition is to get fouled, to get to the line. Yeah, he was and, pretty matter-of-fact about it. Right, and when it comes to who you can trust to make those free throws, especially if you're playing a game that's going to be going to the basket and getting fouled, I mean, trusting Evan Fitzner over Deron Davis may be the easiest decision ever. I agree. Uh, I, we're now joined by Ben Steele of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Ben, thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Really looking forward to this game next week. Yeah, definitely. We've got a, got a nice contest here, early season contest, nice early test for both uh, Indiana and Marquette. So I guess I'll just start off with, uh, obviously this Marquette team's got some got some higher aspirations than maybe mm-hmm. they've had under Woj last year. Is this kind of, I mean, by all accounts, it seems like this has been Woj's best team and now it's fifth year. Yeah, there's, the expectations are high for this team. They've been kind of building toward this team the last couple years. And now, you know, we got two, you know, elite players and, uh, Marcus Howard and Sam Hauser. They're juniors now. And they got a lot of nice pieces around them that's come together. So this is kind of the rebuild has kind of taken shape. And now this is the year that everyone's kind of expecting this team to, you know, finish top three in the Big East and, you know, get back to the NCAA tournament. They've only been 
to the big dance once in uh, Wojo's first uh, four years. So everyone's kind of looking forward to this, to seeing what this team comes to, how, how this team comes together. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned you mentioned Marcus Howard, obviously. <laughs> Big big threat on the offensive end, twenty twenty four yeah. points a game last year. I mean, just what what makes him so dangerous? Uh, you know, his his range extends, you know, maybe as soon as he crosses half court. And I I know he's I know he's I mean that that's really not a joke, man. He could yeah. really I've I've seen him in practice shoot eight out of ten from half court like as a jumper. Jeez. Um but no he's uh you know, he's he's on the smaller side, you know, he's five eleven, but he's mm-hmm. he's a little a little bulked up this year. I mean, it's not overly bulked up, but he sure he kind of wanted to attack the rim a little more. He got kind of knocked around a little bit when he got in the lane last year. But um, you know, despite that that size, he's still able to get a shot off really against anybody. Rarely, rarely gets a shot blocked. He's got a nice floater when he gets in the lane against big big guys. And he's got quick release when he's out on the perimeter. Um, yeah, he shot only two of twelve on on three pointers in the first game, which is very very rare. So do not do not expect to see that very often. But he yeah. did. He had a nice game though. He had that. Yeah, I think he had. Uh, well, I got the box score right here. Um, he had yeah eight rebounds and seven assists. So he's kind of showing more of the. I know he wanted to show more of his all around game this year, and he's handling the ball a lot more in the last couple of years. He's just been more of like a pure scorer. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And you mentioned the the opener against UMBC, that 67-42 win. Um, I guess, obviously not necessarily, you know, the best competition in Indiana is in the same boat. They took down Chicago State in their first right. game. But just what – and obviously Marquette's got 15 Cookman tomorrow. Um, IU takes on Montana State tonight. I mean, just yeah. what, what did you maybe – obviously, it's you know, it's an early season game against a generally inferior opponent. I mean, mm-hmm. what can you at least glean from that game? Or, you know, at least is there anything you saw that maybe bodes well, bodes poorly? <laughs> Yeah, no, no the positive signs for for Marquette is uh, this is one of the deepest team that Wojciechowski's ever had. Um, mm-hmm. He played nine guys, basically a nine man rotation. A tenth guy got in in the last minute, but mm-hmm. nine guys and a lot of length. He's got a lot of options. Um, you know, the knock on Marquette the last couple of years. You read in every preview story written about them that they aren't. Haven't been very good on defense, you know, the last couple of years. That's kind of what's what's held them back. But this year's team, that seems to have a lot of different pieces that I think are going to really go a long way to help them on the, on the defensive end. Just a lot of length, a lot of athleticism, and you kind of saw that against UMBC. They did they held them to like twenty six percent shooting. I know, it, like you said, not the not the best competition, but it's, it's definitely a good sign for their defense. I think. Yeah, definitely, and obviously, I was they got that win last year against UVA. It's still, still fresh in everyone's yeah. mind a little bit. But um, also, just looking at just looking at roster construction, you mentioned the depth. Um, you mentioned Sam Hauser, obviously being kind of the the one-two punch with uh, Marcus Howard. But um, I know I was looking looking through previews and looking through box scores and things. You, you throw in a guy like Brendan Bailey coming back from yeah. a Mormon mission. Obviously, he's a top hundred recruit coming out of high school. I mean, how much is how much have you seen from him at least early on, and what do you think he brings to the table? Yeah, he he actually started the the opener, um, and he's he's just one of those six eight, you know, very versatile players. Like, just just got a good feel for the game. Um, I wasn't expecting him to to be an instant starter. I thought he might have to knock off a little rust because he was on a two year Mormon mission, and mm-hmm. 
So I thought I thought there might be some rust to knock off, but he's uh didn't didn't shoot the ball a lot in the first in the first game looking at the box where he was one for three, but you know he's got a he's just got a gorgeous shot and he can mm-hmm. and being like six eight, he can kinda of back you down a little bit and shoot over like mismatches. But he he's also a three point threat and and he and being six eight he's one of those long guys that's I think is gonna help out on the defensive end, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you, and obviously also, you know, he's coming back from more mission, but you also have the two. Tuny from Fordham and then Ed Morrow from mm-hmm. Nebraska. Yeah. I, I mean, how much has that helped with that depth piece and just, you know, also giving sort of an ex- that experience side? Obviously, uh, yeah. mentioned, uh, Marcus, Howard, Marcus Howard and Sam Hauser are juniors, but throwing a couple of grad seniors yeah. as well. Yeah, that's going to – I think both those guys, they're still kind of – figuring out their role with this team. I think it might take a little while for Marquette to kind of get the right blend and the right lineups out there. Um, I think that's why Coach Orgowski has been trying to throw in a lot of different lineups. I think he made, I think I wrote the other day that he made 17 substitutions in the first half, like guys are just shuffling in and out. Um, But Ed is just a, a big, rugged rebounder type guy, which is something that Marquette probably need, needed the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. So it gives them a, a look, little little different look, different dimension than what they've had in the past. Um, and Chartouni's, uh just a bigger half-first point guard. Um, Marquette had Andrew Rousey last year. who was a shorter shorter guard that was more offensively-minded um, so this this Joseph kind of gives them another different look too. Sure, definitely. And uh, just I mean, you mentioned it a little bit. You know, the, the aspirations are a little bit higher for this year's team. I mean, what do you, what do you see as maybe the ceiling for this team? Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a little hard to say right now, just because the all the sure. new pieces. I'm kind of waiting to see how everything kind of fits together. But I I definitely see them finishing top three in the Big East. Uh, I think, you know, just from what all the other teams in the conference lost, just uh, the players that departed last year, Marquette's kind of perfect timing for them to kind of to make the leap up there to the to the upper echelon, maybe maybe even challenge Villanova a little bit. Um, but, yeah, so you get top three in the Big East, that'll, that'll put you in pretty good seating for the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, who knows from there? You know how the tournament goes. Yeah. It's uh, it's always one bounce here, then yeah. here, the next. It's uh, it's always wild, but I mean, not a little bit, not not necessarily. Is it? It's obviously early and stuff, but I mean, I don't want to say is, is Woj on the hot seat, but I mean, yeah. is there is there sort of a expectation that you know this is the kind of team that he should be able to win with? Yeah, I mean, yeah, hot seat's the wrong word. I think people are just kind of more anxious to kind of. Get back to the tournament because you know Marquette fans expected expect to be in the tournament every year, and like I said, they've only been there once mm-hmm. uh, under Wojo. But I think people are kind of kind of see how the pieces came together now, and and they're kind of set up for future success too. This isn't just like a one-off. Uh, you know, sh- shouldn't shouldn't just be a one-off good year. So they right. should be good for the next couple of seasons. So I think people kind of kind of see into the future where they can see the success that's coming. And so I don't think he's going to be put on the hot seat or anything. And, I mean, if they don't make the NCAA tournament this year, I think something 
went drastically wrong. So I, I you know, mm. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Absolutely. And I guess I'll, uh, I'll just close it out with kind of two, it's kind of a two-parter, but I guess just, uh, what do you kind of expect from this game against Indiana? Obviously it's at Assembly Hall, but what do you kind of expect from, from the Marquette side of things or maybe just the game as a whole? And then what, uh, I'm going to go for, go for a prediction. What do you got? I think, I think this is going to be a really good game. Uh, I think it's going to be really tight. Um, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of looking at the matchups and, um, I really like the, the Tennessee Howard matchup. I think that's going to be pretty key and, and, you know, Romeo, obviously everyone's going to want to see what he does again in this game. Um, but I think, I think Marquette's just got a, just a little, little more depth than Indiana does. So mm-hmm. I think Marquette might, uh, might pull out a squeaker on the road, I think. Perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, yeah, thank you so much, and we'll uh, see you here in Bloomington on uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to it. Cool, cool. Thanks again, Ben. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you. That'll do it for us. Uh, thanks again to Ben Steele of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for joining us. For Cam Drummond, Murphy Wheeler, I'm Ben Portnoy. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and we'll talk to you on the other side.